This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back everyone. Thanks for listening. I grew up in a very athletic home. Two brothers who were all state in one, if not three sports. Two sisters who were fiercely competitive and a mom and dad who never missed any game that any of us ever played. All those games were finite. They had rules, a fixed end point. There were nine innings of baseball, four quarters of basketball, and two halves of football. In finite games, like soccer, hockey, or chess, the players are known, the rules are fixed, and the end point is clear. The winners and the losers are easily identified. There is a different kind of game that is infinite. In infinite games, like business, politics, social service, and life itself, the players come and go, the rules are changeable, and there is no defined endpoint. There are no clear winners or losers in an infinite game. There is only ahead and behind. Solving hunger feels like an infinite game to me but one that has really just started. Food banking as an institution is only one generation old, a mere 40 years. And to be candid, the conversation about solving hunger is less than 20 years old. Our conversations, along with our thinking and methodologies, have changed, evolved, and developed rapidly when you stop and think about it. But I think too many of us look at the struggle with this stubborn problem of hunger through the lens of a finite game. That causes us to ask, when will it ever end? A person might say, my God, you've been doing this for 40 years, almost as an accusation. To which I would reply, my God, we've only been doing this for 40 years, a cause for celebration. The more I started to understand the difference between finite and infinite games, the more I began to see infinite games all around us. I started to see that many of the struggles that we face exist simply in our mission is because we are playing a finite mindset in an infinite game. The great basketball coach John Wooden would often tell his players, be quick, but not in a hurry. That's the right combination. We've got to look at this work with the infinite mindset that is determined to leave this work better than we found it and by working both smarter and harder right now. Come back in a moment and Jerry Brisson will join me and today we will discuss the future of food banking that is happening right now in the year 2020. Come back and be with us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight here in the WJR studio. Jerry, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I have got my infinite mind on, baby. I am ready to go. That was a really important perspective on our work and how it gets done. And I, I, I'm just excited about talking about how do we use this mindset to create progress? And there's so much coming up that's exciting, and uh, it's great to be here. Happy New Year to you, Doctor. Well, I appreciate it. Well, I do want to give credit where credit is due, and that 
that monologue originates from a book that I read recently over the holidays called The Infinite Game by Simon Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. And I found that because, of course, you, as you well know, I'm a disciple, so to speak, of John Maxwell and his leadership. John wrote about it in a blog, and I, I, I read that blog and saw that book and thought it was very interesting and very pertinent to how we look at our work. And that while we want to uh, have goals and we want to meet those goals and we want to hit those goals, that we, that we have to understand that we've only been doing this for a short time. And, you know, we probably in all reality want to set this thing up for the next generation to finish. Well, I also like the idea that victory isn't just a one thing, you know. Victory means looking at systems and how they work and making sure those systems are flexible enough for what's going to change later. You know, you can't just apply today's solution to tomorrow's problem because tomorrow's problem is going to be different. So when that's the case, you've got to be thinking systematically and say, how can we create systems that know when the situation has changed and can at least alert us to, hey, what used to work doesn't work the same way anymore. And so we've got to be mindful, not just of an endpoint, but of a system that supports learning. And of course, a lot of what we've been doing in the last four or five years for sure in Michigan is putting together systems that can learn. Right. And yep. and organizations that can learn and, you know, incorporating a whole learning model into our work because it's necessary in the infinite game. Right. It's right. necessary. So that's really stimulating thinking. Well, I think I appreciate that and, and, and thankful for Simon and his book. Uh, you know, and I, I don't want to give the impression that it's either or. I think it's both. I think it is right to set goals and and that fulfill objectives that help you uh, achieve your mission in the short term, in the finite. But understanding that there is a role for that thinking within the the longer strategy of the infinite game. And so I think it's not either or. I think as in most cases in life, it's both. And um, that's the way I, I looked at it. And when you talk about a systems mentality, how do we get healthy as a system? That also includes sustainability. So that as leadership comes and goes, the system is, is secure and it continues to on a trajectory that's up. Many times in organizations, businesses, churches, nonprofits, when there's a leadership change, they go to the next level. It's just not up. <laughs> <laughs> they go to the next level of effectiveness. It's just down. Yeah. There's a drop yeah. off. And I think that what we're trying to do, and even in our uh, centers of excellence experience that we're having as a kind of an internal growth uh, strategy for us as leaders within the Food Bank Council, uh, we're addressing some of those sustainable issues within the system. Like, like we've got an event coming up that uh, I'm, I'm, I'm affectionately calling uh, Who's Got Next? And really, who, who, who's going who's gonna to step into leadership when this is gone? And I think it pertains well to our guest we had uh, recently that talked about Launch Michigan, Paula Herbart. Yeah, I think... Well, we're, we're obviously tapping into a lot of things right now. And part of the reason why it's good to, to look ahead is to try to, you know, forecast a little bit 
this is where this is what you can expect to see coming up. And so I think the centers of excellence work in thinking about, well, what is coming up? And then, well, we're not going to be here forever. So who is going to be the next generation of leaders? I think anybody in leadership has to be thinking about that to some degree. So really looking forward to that and and to also describing uh, for our listeners what they can expect to see in the coming year. And so I think that's a good goal as we're, you know, moving this thing forward. And uh, and there's a lot of exciting things to talk about. Well, in only 40 years that we've been doing this work, and um, I think we've made remarkable progress in the conversation, and everything has changed dramatically, even in the last five years. And who knows where we're going to be at in five years. But you and I are going to do a little uh, forecasting in the next segments that are all a part of this show where we're going to talk about some of the uh, and the future and how it is happening now in the year 2020 in regard to food banking as we work toward the goal of creating a food secure Michigan and taking hunger off the table for the folks who are struggling with that across our state. He's Jerry Brisson, I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome back, everyone. The year 2020, can you believe we're already here? You know, when I wrote it down the first time, and I actually got it right the first time. Now, I screwed it up the next two times, but, right. you know, that's right. right. Um, you know, it, it does create a moment of... Like, wow, um, you know, when you change a decade or change a century, you know, you you do have that. uh, There's an ominous feeling that comes with that. Right. I think of both accomplishment and responsibility. At least that's how it feels to me. It's different Mm. to make a New Year's resolution than it is to make a new decades resolution. Right. Right. It just it it has a little more weight to it. Um, So. You know, when we started preparing for the show and talking about, you know, how do we talk about 2020 and what to look forward to, you know, what came to mind for me was the Billy Joel song, We Didn't Start the Fire. And he he starts the song and all of a sudden it just goes into this, this and this and this and this and this and this and this. So I really do feel a little bit like that (laughs) as we look ahead to our 2020, you know, it's like, okay, we're going to, we've got a... We've got produce, healthcare, education, self-sufficiency standard, research, impact measurement, partnerships, ending childhood hunger, the household impact model, nutritional standards, and the list goes on of the number of things that are going to be coming up and we're going to see progress on in 2020. When I met with my team this week to talk about our strategic plan, one of the things we did was we went around the room to say, what are you all really looking forward to in 2020? And the the, the most significant thing for me from that conversation was the number of things that we've been working on for years now that are going to start coming to a head in 2020. It's going to be an exciting year. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, I mean, it is such an opportunity. It's the start of a new decade. And, you know, that doesn't come around, but every 10 years. So it is really a, a strong opportunity. I, I've said on the show before a couple of times, and you'll remember that somebody stopped me in the hall and said, hey, Phil, how are you doing? And I looked at him and said, I'm overwhelmed with opportunity. Yeah. And that's yeah. how I feel, like yeah. the Billy Joel song. Yeah. 
So yeah. let's talk about some of those opportunities. And we're, we're overwhelmed in a good way, you know, and, and excited about the possibilities. And one of those is in the area of produce, Jerry, because Food Bank Council of Michigan and our network here have been approached by the National Food Bank, Feeding America, and the national organization to to say to us, you guys are resourcing a lot of food here in Michigan from Michigan farmers and we want you to help us do that nationwide. So um, tell me again, for the state of Michigan, what's the return on our investment for our Michigan Agriculture Surplus System, the MASS program? What's the return on investment for the MASS program? Oh, my gosh, Jerry, you're not going to believe this. So the state of Michigan entrusts to the Food Bank Council about $1.8 million each year that we use to purchase seconds so to speak, from Michigan farmers, and it's just Michigan farmers. And when you bring that down, accounting even for waste, then uh, the retail value of that $1.8 million, if all the food that we sent, which, which is significant, um, it would be in excess of $20 million um, retail value. If all those folks had to go buy the food that we're giving to them, from the seed money that the state of Michigan gives us, it would be in excess of $20, 24000000 million of retail value of food. So when we start talking about the opportunity that produce represents to us, we have to start with that is an amazing return on investment. People have noticed it, including Feeding America, who you just mentioned specifically. And we know that we have relationships with our Michigan farms that have come out of the programs that we've already done. We're... Our growers, our growers in the state of Michigan would like to do more with us. They would like to have even more impact. Mm -hmm. But it's not free. It costs something to harvest that food. And so for a little bit of investment in in, uh, the, the growers and in the food supply chain right at the very beginning where it's the least expensive and probably the healthiest, we can have a tremendous return of literally millions and millions of dollars. So... Why produce? Because Michigan is a produce-rich state. Because we've developed relationships over years that have been productive. We have champions in the industry that want to help us. And we have the logistics and we've made investments in our networks that distribute this food so that we can get more food to more people more often, which is our mantra for 2020. More food to more people more often. You're going to see that more and more in 2020. And I'll tell you what. Produce has a huge, huge opportunity for us in this year. I think what we're going to see, this is Jerry's prediction. Put on your prediction hat. Remember Johnny Carson when he had that big hat? Who was that? Karnak the Magnificent. I mean, so Johnny Carson would, at the beginning of the year, have that big hat for one of his magical predictions. All right, here it is. Here it is. I think you're going to see our produce distribution in Michigan double in 2020. Yeah. That's what I think. Now, it might take a little bit longer than that, but I'm going to put a stake in the ground and say we can double our produce distribution statewide in 2020. That's excellent. Well, I think I think that, you know, the downstream benefits of all this work and we appreciate Feeding America looking at us and seeing the potential uh, and the quality of our work at the council and uh, all of our food banks. But, you know, it creates a secondary market for our farmers. 
And otherwise, this is food that's going to go to waste, so there's an impact there. But it also helps our farmers keep their workers longer, and it has a tremendous economic benefit that um, has been noticed. And I like what Gary McDowell, the director from MDARD, said on the show. Where he said, you know, the food banks in Michigan are a integral part of the entire food system for Michigan. And I, I take that as high praise from Director McDowell. It is high praise. And, you know, p- again, part of the reason we can imagine things like this is because of the relationships we have with our state departments who also want to see this kind of impact for the dollars that they're spending. And, you know, I, I, I just, well, you know, we can break this down even further. We've talked about the the things we're doing in education, just the the work that we're doing to show the impact of food security on school-aged children. And we've said, again, you can't be well-read if you're not well-fed. It's a simple way to remember that you've got to have food-secure children in order for them to accomplish their potential. Right. Right. And so we also believe you can't have a food secure child in a food insecure household. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the spending we have around our programs are really focused on just making sure the child has enough for today. I think in 2020, you're going to see some significant changes to the way that we look at how to best serve children, uh, especially families with school age children. I think you're going to see creative programming that comes out of the learnings from Best Food Forward that's happening in southeast Michigan. And in East Michigan Food Bank, Mm -hmm. I think there are already school districts across the state that that affect every food bank who want to get in on this, who want to see programs not just more, but better. You know, using the money we're spending to accomplish more, we're looking at when there's a snow day just in southeast Michigan, $1.5 million a day that would have gone to feed those kids is now going nowhere. We can unlock that resource and really get food to families and create a better environment for those kids that will have long-term results. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to see better policy. I think we're going to see uh, significant improvement in not just more dollars, but better spending of those dollars in 2020. That's, you know, I think that's key. And and it's not just state programs. It's also federal programs like the summer meet up and eat up programs. And I think if we were able to talk to folks about the, um, the illogical um, policies that surround meet up and eat up, people, every time I talk to them about it, any common sense thinking person goes, what? In the fact that it has to be a congregate uh, meal and, and, and no food can be distributed to anyone other than just the child that's there. So I think it goes to your point, which is very critical in this thinking, and that is you cannot have a food-secure child in a food-insecure home. And I think that's a tenet, and it goes to one of the values we embrace here, and that is got to help people where they're at, not just where you wish they were. We're going to talk about more in just a minute. Come back and be with Jerry Brisson and me, Dr. Phil Knight, here on WJR. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Jerry, one of the things that's most exciting and certainly your team at Gleaners and uh, some of the other food banks around the state, but certainly your team at Gleaners has been kind of um, 
breaking the trail, so to speak, has been in the area of healthcare, and um, we've got some pretty exciting developments there. So why don't you recap a little bit about what's been going on in healthcare? Because you guys have been working on this for more than three years, and it's taken us to a place that we're at a very exciting time. And I, I, I'd like for you to just kind of recap for us. Yeah, just a couple things to remember. Healthcare is a very big system. It's you know by some measures one fifth of the entire economy is. Uh, driven by healthcare. I mean, so you're talking about a very, very large system with a lot of players. The the triple aim of healthcare, this is their goals, was better patient health, better population health, and lower cost. And we maintained from the beginning that healthy food is one of the most important things that healthcare needs their patients to have in order to accomplish that triple aim. That's how this whole conversation got started. And healthcare certainly agrees. They've been talking about the social determinants of health for over 20 years. And so now we're starting to turn those ideas and those sort of platitudes, if you will, into concrete programs that are producing results. So probably the biggest 2019 um, result for us was developing a program called Henry's Groceries with Henry Ford Health System to identify populations of patients with multiple chronic conditions and who were food insecure to see if taking food security away, in other words, providing the food for those patients so that Mm -hmm. their medicines would work right and so that they would feel better as part of their overall health plan would actually reduce costs and improve patient and it wasn't big enough to prove population health. And what we proved beyond a doubt is that when you take care of the food needs of those patients, costs go down. And the two biggest areas they went down were emergency room visits and hospital stays. Now, before we get more into the numbers, I just want to point out, going to the emergency room is a terrible thing to have to do. I mean, just in terms of your life, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I hope I can go to the emergency room today. (laughs) Nobody ever says that, right? right? Nobody ever wakes up and says, I really hope I can stay in the hospital longer this year. Ever, right? So when you talk about the quality of people's lives, having fewer emergency room visits and having to stay less time in the hospital is a dramatic improvement in somebody's life, Right. right? And it saves money, right? It's cheaper and better on every level for patients to experience that. So... That's that's one very concrete, proven result from a pilot that we did with Henry Ford Health System. And in 2020, we're going to see a significant expansion of that based on those results. That's great. I want to circle back to that. But first, I want us to talk a little bit about some of the players across the state. In Henry's Groceries and Henry and Ford Health System, there's been a key champion there, and she's been sat right here in this chair between us and been on this show a couple of times, and her name is... Susan Hawkins, and she is the Senior Vice President of Population Health for Henry Ford Health System, and she's a board member at Gleaners. Oh, so she, but the, the key role in all of that is she's been a champion. Exactly right. You know, and a couple of years ago, and it's kind of cool to say that a couple of years ago on the show... Uh, we had Alyssa Craig from um, Hurley 
up in Flint who's developed a food pharmacy type of program, and she's done that in cooperation with the Food Bank of Eastern Michigan. So another significant player, and one that we, we really haven't had on the show very much, but is a huge player in this field, is the Michigan Health Endowment Fund. And I'd have to give a little shout out to them because about five years ago, they trusted us with a significant grant, a $5 million grant over two years, and we used that grant to, uh, to distribute fresh produce. And I'm going to say, Jerry, that that was a catalyst teaching us as a network on what we could do with fresh produce because that involves operational system changes, and we learned how to do that work, and we found out that we were really good at it. And that has led all the way to this work here with healthcare, but also the opportunity we talked about in the other segment about produce and sourcing produce out of Michigan nationally. So those are just some of the key players that we've been involved with in this healthcare work and fresh produce. Well, and probably one of the most exciting things as we look forward to 2020 is another guest that we had on the show several times who's a uh, got a law degree and uh, is also a prominent research researcher in this field by the name of Dr. Dawn Opal. Right. Yeah, she's. I would say she's a prominent enough and you know this is what happens when you come on our show more than once we we hire you And so in 2020, we are really excited to see what Dr. Dawn Opal is going to bring to our work. She's an amazing uh, talent in this field who is going to help us really refine even more strategies in the space of healthcare, so that everybody wins by solving food insecurity. It's and, amazing. And it, it is true. Everybody wins. Pe- the, the people who are food insecure certainly win. The healthcare system certainly wins, but businesses win. Um, everybody that that interacts with people who are education eh, win, kids win, yeah. parents win, families win, communities win. Everybody wins. And when I looked at uh, Dr. Opal's uh, CV curriculum vitae for the things that she's published just in the last few years, it is phenomenal how much she brings to the table in fundamental knowledge about the impact of providing food to people who are food insecure. And uh, so I think, okay, we're putting that hat on again. What can we predict for 2020? I think we can predict at least three new programs in the food bank network that are delivering impactful results in healthcare as a result of Dr. Don's work this year. And I will also add to that prediction that that work will not be in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands, but in the millions of dollars of improvement. Well, I think that's a, I, I, you know, I'm going to tell you that because I, had the opportunity to hire Dawn, um, and she is now serving. She was a professor, research professor at um, Michigan State University. She's been involved with our network for more than three years, and she's just so excited to be able to concentrate on this work um, that she is now serving as the director of research and strategic initiatives, particularly in regard to health care and then we'll add another title to her later on this summer. Um, but the, the idea and the energy 
and the positiveness and the ability that Dawn's going to have to build a statewide network, not just with the food banks, but I'm talking a true collaborative work because it, this problem, as you said, it's it's the healthcare is one fifth of our economy. We're not the only players in this space, right? And so it's going to take a lot of people coming together. But I think she's the type of leader that can galvanize that kind of movement that will impact um, food insecurity, not just in the healthcare space, but really statewide. So when you go back to the office, make sure to bring a towel because after this, she's probably going to be sweating. <laughs> No doubt about it. Significant um, uh, achievement for us to have Dawn on our team, and uh, it's it's going to take us to places that we dreamed of going in this work. And sure. I'll bet you dollars to donuts, her reaction is going to be probably less sweating and more. You only did half of what I think I'm going to do. Right? She's she's amazing, and that'll be awesome. 2020. There's another 2020 prediction from Food First Michigan. We are we are cranking. That's it. And we're going to keep cranking. We'll be back in just a moment. You come back and be with us. Always want to make sure and say thanks for listening, everyone. We do appreciate it. He's Jerry Basson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. You're listening to Food First Michigan here on WJR and uh, on our podcast as well. So thanks for subscribing to all of you who are uh um, dedicated and listening every week, I'm sure. And, uh, and if not, you're binging a little bit with uh, our podcast. So thanks for, uh, thanks for all your support. Appreciate your notes that uh, come in through social media about the show. And, uh, and special thanks to all of our team that are promoting this at the Food Bank Council and all, all across our entire Food Bank Network as well. And Michigan Farm Bureau. I mean, uh, they they, yeah. wa- they have walked alongside us every step of the way. We're really grateful for their ongoing support. Yep, Carl Bonarski, the uh, president there, and uh, all the whole team, the insurance side, the Michigan Farm Bureau side, Scott Piggott, and all the, all the guys there and all the women there are just they really like you said they've been with us since the first step they believed in us and they continue to do so so jerry there's a couple things here i want us to cover for 2020 that are really exciting um and uh the first thing i want to talk about we we did talk a little bit about childhood hunger but uh in in regard to schools but i want us to circle back to that just a little bit because that's not something that is just uh local or just one food bank's it's almost like our whole network is taking it on. Well, I think we're realizing that the first step to a hunger-free community has got to be ending childhood hunger. One of our one of our donors put it this way: two words that should never go together: child and hunger. Mm-hmm. And there's no question that is a fundamental belief. We are one of the most wealthy countries in the world, there is no reason for our country to say that childhood hunger is acceptable. And and it's just, it's well understood, it's well believed, and, and we're starting to see that slogan cropping up all over the state in, in food banks. And I think we, we are all on board with the idea that the first step to a food secure Michigan is a state that, that is hunger free for children. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking back about a show that we did um, that had Stacey Dean from the Center for Budget Priorities and Policy. 
And uh, Stacy made a comment on this show that um, I think is very pertinent to what you just said. We are a wealthy country. We are an incredible country. And it measures far beyond our income and wealth. And we have the ability to tackle big problems like food insecurity without making hunger and hardship worse in this country. And I think that's absolutely true. Some of the policy changes, some of the administrative changes that are being proposed and enacted now are making it harder, not easier. And I think Stacy makes a great point here. We can solve this problem without making it harder on people. So I think as we, as again, we're looking ahead to 2020, I think we're going to see a lot more being said and done on this issue of ending childhood hunger in all of our communities. Now we've, it, it's going to piggyback on some of the other predictions, right? right. So I don't want to, I don't want to double and double again, but I will say Are a lot. Are you doubling down here? Is that what's going on? <laughs> right. But I do want to say that a lot of the things we've talked about in terms of produce distribution and, and access and, and, uh, and health all those things, you know, are going to be somewhat focused on making sure that households with school-age children are well cared for so that we can really see progress in ending childhood hunger in Michigan. Jerry, one of the topics I want us to touch on really briefly here is, um, is nutritional standards. Because 40 years ago, when food banking started, basically the philosophy was a calorie is a calorie. And any food will solve hunger, whether that be an apple or a potato chip. Now, there's appropriate times for apple, and there's appropriate time for potato chips in my life, at least. But I I want you to talk a little bit about, because you're doing some work nationally on this committee, how has food banking evolved and particularly opens the door for us to work with Healthcare. Yeah, I think the best way to frame that issue is when food banking got started, nobody had any clue how big it would be and how important it would become to the lives of the residents in our community. So the idea at the time was just keep food from going to waste and get it out to those organizations like the Capuchins and Salvation Army and the other churches and community centers that are distributing food. So now that we've been here for over 40 years and we realize that people do depend on our work, we have to be mindful of the impact our food has on their life. We can't just say, get anything out there. We also have to be mindful of, if we're distributing food that people aren't consuming, it's not providing any value. That's right? waste, right? So so the nutrition standards conversation really encompasses this broader idea of taking responsibility for the food we're distributing and making sure that it's actually useful and helpful to the people we're serving in the most constructive ways. So, so as you said, there's a time for a birthday cake. I mean, you know, there's a time to celebrate life. We don't just distribute food. We distribute relief. We distribute hope. We distribute joy. And all those things are still important to our work. Yet we have to have a nutrition framework that helps us understand all of the impact that we have in people's lives and especially how it impacts their health. Very quickly, you're talking about the impact in people's lives, but what's the What's the net 
effect? What's the impact of the food that we give to people? You know, we talk about it in four ways. We talk about the economic impact that we have. If they don't have to purchase the food and they have our food, mm-hmm. it's obviously an economic impact of between 2 and $5 a meal. Then we also talk about this, the way it stabilizes households, you know, mm-hmm. how they have to make fewer trade-offs every month, how solving this problem makes the rest of their life easier. We talk about the impact on health, which we've already said some things about, and then all also the empowering impact. If you don't have to worry about this issue, you can spend time on other things in your life that help you move forward. Those are the four primary areas that we talk about our work impacting people. I like that. And then, of course, we, we don't have time to talk about it, but the use of data in our work and how we're gathering it all the way from our clients and using it all the way up through our work to really inform some a lot of the decisions. It's time for a little food for thought. Any worthwhile undertaking starts with why. The purpose or belief that inspires us to do what we do and inspires others to join us. Collectively, the CEOs of the seven Feeding America food banks have approximately 99 years of experience, knowledge, and wisdom in this great work of creating a food secure state. That's a lot of insight into how we can best get more food more often to more people. It's both humbling and inspiring for all of us to be leading, planning, and creating the plan to make food security a reality for our hungry neighbors. Imagine when people are food secure, both in a finite and an infinite sense, in the impact on our healthcare costs, educational outcomes, workforce retention, and both our economy and our community soar. But most importantly, the children today are no longer hindered by the development of their mind, body, and spirit. They are free to become the best and the most that they can. That's why it's so important to remember that it really needs to be food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.